Welcome to the Sale Street Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. And for more information about our church, visit salestreet.org. Praise the Lord. Good morning, Sale Street. I see a few faces that are not real familiar uh, this morning. We want to welcome you. Here at Sale Street, we spend the first few minutes of our service telling the Lord how wonderful it is, and then we open our Bibles and we hear from Him. The most certain way that we can hear from God is is in His Word. And so I want to open to James chapter 5 this morning. If you have your Bible, turn with me there. uh, The words will be on the screen. If you want to pick up a Bible in front of you in a pew, uh, page number 1013, you'll find that. Here at South Street, we preach through books of the Bible, verse by verse, because we want to hear from God in a comprehensive kind of way. We want to to hear every word that He has to say, not just pick the ones that are easy to hear or that we might do best with, but all of them at the right time. And I'm so excited. Uh, We're going to get to preach through Jonah after we finish James next week, so I'll give you a little tidbit of information on that pretty excited about that as well maybe not as excited as Paul like he's already started preparing his messages but it's uh, gonna be great a little recap on the book of James uh, James wrote this letter to a group of believers who had been dispersed because of their belief they were under persecution they had been kind of ran out of town because of their Christian Uh, beliefs and so James gives some real practical wisdom to them in that situation because sometimes when when we're dealing with difficult circumstances and difficult people we're tempted to behave in a way that doesn't reflect the righteousness of Christ and so man uh, first of all he started off he said you know find it joy my brothers in tribulation I mean that sounds crazy but that's the way he starts it out count it joy this is for your good and then he starts encouraging us seek wisdom from God not to show favoritism to watch our tongue and to um, next week we'll talk about prayer and then last week uh, Paul uh, preached on the the woe to the to the rich right because man these rich people put all their hope in their possessions and guess what when you're running for your life because you're under attack those riches aren't really worth anything they can't help you there right they're just gonna rot and destroy and then the week before I believe it was Tim preached on the fact that don't say this is gonna happen tomorrow because we really don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow right so he's he's just working through all of these things and uh, this morning in chapter 5, starting in verse number 7, uh, the, the subtitle in, the, in our ESV says, Patience and Suffering. The command here is to be patient. While you're dispersed and your life is threatened, just be patient. And so let's read it. Here's what it says. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. 
You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. You have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Let's pray. Father, we do love you and worship you. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, for your word. Uh, may we truly hear from heaven and our hearts be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I must admit, I'm a little nervous about preaching on patience because VBS starts tomorrow. You might notice I wore my VBS shirt just as a reminder this morning. And I'll have 40 first graders. I'm preaching on patience today, and tomorrow I'll start with 40 first graders all week. That's a, that's a risky place to be, but I'm here. So I'm a little nervous. I just have to be honest with you. No, patience is, uh, it just doesn't come naturally, right? I mean, we can all attest to that. We all still live in our flesh, even though we're filled with the Spirit when we trust in Jesus. Patience is uh, not a natural response, especially in troubling times. And it, it's, it's just evident in so many ways. My family and I live down in Deatonville, which is on the island, they call, and so we got a swing bridge on each end, and guess what? You never know what you're going to get when you get to the bridge. You, you can learn to be patient, or you can see just how impatient you are uh, almost every day. Right now, it's under construction, one of them. Man, I tell you what, i got some impatient neighbors. They are going off, right, because the bridge is out of service, and you got to, you know, it just takes more time. We get that way, right? Whatever it is that that's in front of us that might be delaying us uh, can, can make us impatient. But the kind of patience that, that James is writing about here is being in a situation that you really want out of, a tough situation. And the instruction here is just God has a greater purpose in this. Be patient. He's fully aware right where you are. Be patient in your suffering. And he doesn't, it's a command, right? He doesn't just say, hey, you patient people need to show these impatient people how to do it. No, it's a command. Be patient. It's, it's not like it's an impossibility. It's, it's instruction. It's clear, like James is in the entire book. Very practical, but, but he doesn't just give us this command to do it. He, he tells us how to do it and a little bit about why to do it. In verse number 7, he says, Be patient. Therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. How long do we need to be patient? Until the coming of the Lord. Oh, man, that's, uh, that's relieving, right? How long do we need to be patient? Just till Jesus comes back. Man, my goodness. That's easy.
Patience is not a personality type. Sometimes we kind of put it in there, right? We kind of live in the age of personality types now. And it's not like some people are patient, some people are not, especially for believers, right? But patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Paul wrote to the church at, at Galatia, which it doesn't just say that it's expected, but that it's supernatural, right? The Spirit is what brings about patience. We need to allow that to happen, right? That's what James's instruction is here. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. So you might think of it this way. Faith that is real, which is the title of our sermon series here, faith that is real exists only in those who are filled with Holy Spirit. But those who are filled with with Holy Spirit possess all that is necessary to be patient. Supernatural power of the Spirit. That's where this patience comes from. Now the word that's used here in verse 7, if you break it down into two root words, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but I, I do have some pretty neat tools that I can use. It's the combination of the Greek word for long and the Greek word for anger long anger it doesn't mean be angry for a long time it means take a long time to get angry that's what patience is but down in verse 11 the word he uses for patience is a little different and here's the difference between the two in verse 7 James's instructions are to be patient when you deal with difficult people in verse 11 says to be patient in dealing with difficult circumstances now we could probably all say amen that's me right got to deal with difficult people and difficult circumstances and patience there's two different words but it's necessary in both of those and think about where the audience that James is writing to is man they're absolutely dealing with wicked people who are threatening their life and they find themselves in these difficult circumstances dispersed the message here is to be patient in both verse 7 with difficult people it's a supernatural kind of ability it's not something we can just kind of drum up enough self-control to do it's a fruit of the spirit As he goes on in verse 7, he says, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. So he begins to, to point out that, hey, there's some fruit that comes with being patient. Think about the farmer. Plants his seed, and then the Lord provides all that's necessary in some period of time to yield a harvest. Or to bear fruit and so it is with patience is that over time God provides all all that is necessary to bear fruit and that's the aim here is that as difficult as the people were and the circumstances were that that his audience were were dealing with for them to remain steadfast right to to be patient just like the farmer is and the Lord would would bring about a harvest through that he would yield fruit through that 
just like the farmer. In my former life, when I graduated out of college, I graduated my, with my undergrad in forestry. And I went to work with this company that, uh, that was in the electrical business, and they were making so much money they couldn't invest it all back in there, so they wanted something different. So we started this uh, investment side of their business in the timberland where they, they would buy like pasture land and cut over ground and, and, and we would go in and we'd plant pine trees. And if you plant a pine tree, you can come back and harvest it about 30 years later. It's not like mustard greens. It takes a while. And I... I think sometimes we want it to be more like mustard greens than, than pine trees when we talk about the, the farming. But I thought about that, man. We had these 30-year budgets and all these growth models, man. We were trying to figure out what our harvest would be and how, you know, how we could crunch that time and all this. But most of our trials are more like the 30-year version and not the 30-day version. So it was with, with these folks. I don't know that it was 30 years, but it wasn't a, just a, you know, be patient for a few more minutes and it'll be over with no no this is until Jesus comes that's what he says verse 8 he goes on he says you also be patient establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand some translations say, strengthen your hearts. This is where we kind of see that transition where James is not just saying, hey, this is what you need to do. He's saying, here's how it is possible. Here's the why behind it. Here's, here's the reason to be patient. The coming of the Lord is at hand. Establish your hearts because of that. This is kind of the, the root of that patience. Patience is made possible because our hope is not in worldly circumstances getting better. Our hope is in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Both the first time and the second time. The first time being that he left the perfection of heaven. He came to earth. He lived a perfect, sinless life was crucified in our place, took upon himself the wrath of God, three days later, raised from the dead, walked on the earth for 40 days, and then ascended into heaven. Over 500 people saw him. And that brings us hope. Why? Because when we put our faith in what he has done and who he is, our sins are forgiven, and we are delivered from the power of sin. That gives us hope. We're filled with the Spirit, which gives us the power to be patient. But how can we stay patient? We know He's coming back. He's coming back. And when He comes back, it's going to be for everyone. And for those wicked ones who are persecuting the people that James is writing to, he's going to deal justly with them. He's going to deal judgment. We'll get to that in just another verse or two. But for those he has saved, he's going to rescue us from difficult people and from difficult circumstances. And that brings us hope. And that's worth waiting for. 
And the way we wait for that is a testimony to a lost and dying world, to the power of the Spirit that lives within us. Establish your hearts. You want, to, you want, to, you want your heart to be strong and established in such a way that you can be patient until Jesus comes home? Put all your hope in Him. Nothing else can get us there. One of the things that my wife and I have been able to do is to work with foster children and parents and even their birth parents and adoptive uh, families. And, and one of the, it's one of the, the most prevalent things that we see is that these children have lived with more broken promises than any one person could ever imagine. And so in just a few that we've had a, an opportunity to, to care for and be a part of and to help and to work with their, their birth families, it's extremely common for mom or dad to say, baby, I'll be there Monday at 3 o'clock to visit you. Monday at 3 o'clock, that little baby's pacing the floor, waiting and waiting, and 4 o'clock and 5 o'clock. Pretty soon they figure out, not coming. Baby, I'm going to buy you a new bicycle for Christmas. Christmas comes around, New Year's, no bicycle. Pretty soon they figure out. He, he hadn't left us. He hadn't left us as orphans. It's not a maybe. We're not going to be waiting forever for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. What he says, he does. What he said he would do, he's already done. What he says he's going to do, he's going to do. And that's where our hope is. Man, this isn't some sort of plea for everybody just to be more patient with one another. We have a hope that is sure and certain, and it's worth waiting for. And that's, my friends, is, is what establishes our hearts to be different. That's what strengthens our hearts to be patient. verses 9 and also in verse 12 we see that a little bit of what it looks like to be impatient a little bit of the, the consequences or the evidence of impatience and James recognizes that so he goes ahead and he addresses what some of the problems with being impatient could be and maybe some of this is already going on in verse 9 he says do not grumble against one another brothers so that you may not be judged Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So one of the temptations is when we get impatient is grumbling and complaining. And if we can put the blame on someone as to why all this is happening, then we can grumble and complain about them. And to use Jesus' word, murder them, right? I mean, we can just outright attack them with our words. 
And so James is saying, don't grumble against one another. As evil and, and wicked as these people are, it'd be easy to stand around and just say, these wicked people have done this to us. James is saying, be patient, establish your hearts. The Lord is coming, and He will judge those people. He will. He's standing at the door. And there's, there's great comfort in that. I remember when our little Macy came to live with us, she was, there was a few places that she was scared of, right? Well, mostly just to be alone, but she, she wouldn't go to the bathroom without my wife. But Ashley could shut the door, and she would just stand at the door. And Macy would say, Mama, are you still there? Yeah, baby, I'm still here. Mama, are you still there? Yep, still here. Or maybe she'd go in the bedroom by herself at night to go to bed. She wasn't comfortable in there. Mama, can you hear me? She knew if there was a problem, Mama was at the door. And that brought peace to her that she had never had, right? She had never had that person standing at the door that would take care of anything that might happen. How much greater, how much greater is it to know that every wicked human who has put us in a place that was difficult, we, we can rest assured that there's nothing we can do. Nothing we can do about it. We can't make that person right. We can't pour out the wrath of God on that person. It's not our job, right? We can point them to the one who took the wrath of God upon himself on our behalf. But there's one standing at the door who is going to deal with that. So don't, let's not put ourselves in the role of judge judge whether it's right or wrong but like eternal judge he's standing at the door he's gonna take care of it he's coming be patient verse number 12 James covers another frequently used quote unquote escape to tribulation or impatience but above all my brothers do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation now, I've always read this almost like you know what when you say yes you better make it a yes you stand behind your word when you say no but this means something a little different that's a good idea when you say yes mean yes and when you say no mean no but in a situation like this where these people were under intense persecution they were dispersed growing impatient sometimes when we find ourselves in a place like that we want to start making a deal with God right or maybe with one another and that's why I said either by heaven or on earth and it might sound like this dear Lord if you'll get me out of this situation, I promise you I'll go to church every Sunday 
I might even give 11% and I'll be nice to my wife. We start making these deals, right? It, entering into these contracts or taking these oaths with the Lord that says, man, if you'll just get me out of here. James is saying, uh-uh, don't, don't start making deals with God. Don't start swearing, I'll do this and I'll do that if you just make it better. Be patient. He's coming. He's coming. Or with one another. I mean, you can only imagine this scattered church going back to the, the ones who are persecuting them saying, now, you know, judge so-and-so or king so-and-so, if you'll just let us come back in, I promise you, we'll just stay inside our temple and we won't bother anybody else. Now, this isn't what happened, but you can see where I'm going with this, is that you start negotiating. Our faith is not negotiable. Not, not with God, not with others. Those circumstances are for His glory. And to be patient brings him glory and the way we're to be patient is to trust that he's standing at the door and will deal with the wicked ones and that he's coming back and we will be removed from this tribulation forever and I, I can't imagine the temptation to negotiate our way out of a situation like this and folks I to be quite honest it may not be too many years before we have to really think through some of this for ourselves right? just, it, it can happen right here in the the good old U.S. of A right we're already considered a post-Christian nation by a lot of folks and, and we just keep going that direction James says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Some, some translations say, just give them a simple yes or no. I like that. If you ever read through the Fox's Book of Martyrs, it is amazing how a simple yes or no is such a testimony to a person's faith. Where they literally take a man, bring in his wife and children, and say, we're going to burn you on this stake. If you don't recant your faith. Do you recant your faith? No. Burn at the stake. Countless times. Simple yes or no. These men didn't ask. Well, well if I say yes and cross my fingers, is it, is it okay? No. No. Simple yes or no. Then in verses 10 and 11, James uh, reminds us of some great examples where supernatural patience has brought glory to God through the lives of others. He starts with the prophets in verse 10. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Now these are men that God called to both foretell and to tell forth the truth 
that the Spirit had revealed to them. So they would tell about what was coming in the days ahead, whether it was to be brought into captivity, right? Jeremiah. Or Isaiah 53, to tell about the Savior that was coming, right? That's, that's such a, a builder of our faith, right? Is that we know Jesus is coming back because the prophets predicted his first coming perfectly. And that's what happened. So we know that his second coming will be just the same because even that was predicted by the prophets. So he, he's saying those men and the way they endured intense persecution, tribulation, stayed faithful to the word of God. I mean, saying some hard things in some hard places and paying the price for it. Their testimony, their testimony strengthens our faith. As an example of suffering and patience, take the prophets. And their difficulties lasted decades, centuries. I mean, it, we're not talking about how they dealt with one difficult person, you know, who turned out in front of them on Nelson Road. We're, we're talking about hundreds of years of persecution. Jeremiah preached 50 years to people who wouldn't listen to a word he said because God said, this is what I've called you to do. Faithful, steadfast, patiently. Verse 11, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So just a little synopsis of the story of Job. Satan got permission from God and put him in some tough situations. Lost his family, his possessions, his health. It was terrible. He made some mistakes. But guess what? When all of those tribulations brought him back to the Lord, he is blessed tenfold. Tenfold. That's the fruit that came through Job's patience in suffering. Why? James tells us. You've seen the purpose of the Lord. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Compassionate and merciful. That's him. He was compassionate and merciful to me. He was patient with me. I deserve death, hell, and the grave. He called me to himself, and I just ignored him for years. But he loved me. And he was merciful, and he was patient, and he was compassionate. Job. Turned the wrong direction a time or two, but he was merciful on Job. He loved him. He's compassionate and he's merciful to you. There again, one more thing that helps us to be patient, to know just how patient God has been with us.
If you're here this morning, it's because God has been patient with you. Whether you're a believer or not, He's shown you enough grace to where you haven't received the wages of sin yet, which is death. Compassionate and merciful. Furthermore, He's done all that is necessary to give us eternal life through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Lord is a great example of patience as well. The Lord Jesus, he didn't deserve death, hell, and the grave like every one of us. He got it because that was the will of the Father for him to take upon himself those things that were ours because of sin. But he did so patiently. You know why? he knew what the will of the Father was. And he was certain in that. There was no one that was going to change his mind. He knew that the circumstances that the Father had for him were for his glory and for the good of others. And so is it for every difficult set of circumstances that you and I might find ourselves in. And you know, it seems unfair sometimes. It, it seems unfair what some people have to endure, even as believers, compared to others. You know, I imagine the church that James was writing to would look at us today and say, it's not fair. But I bet you from glory they would say, wow, he absolutely knew everything. He was like a lamb led unto a slaughter. He, he didn't even open his mouth. The only man who could defend himself as a good man opened not his mouth. He had one thing in mind, and that was the will of the Father. And that's the one thing that we should have in mind. What is the will of God for us? In every circumstance, even under the influence of the most wicked humans on earth. The Father's will is what matters most. The Father's will is revealed in Scripture. And the Father's will says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. So as we wrap this up, I want to kind of work backwards, backwards through the passage just a moment. Well, let me say a couple things about patience first. First it is that patience is not laziness. It's not passive. Sometimes we, we kind of get that a little bit when we talk about patience. Patience is not passive. He's not just saying, let them do what they want, and I'll come get you in a little while. Romans 12 says this. I'll start in verse 11. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Don't, don't be slothful. Be patient. Serve the Lord. 
Give it all away. He's coming. Patience, Ecclesiastes says basically this, Ecclesiastes 7, patience is better than pride. Sometimes impatience will well up some pride in us, right? And we'll want to deal with the situation ourselves and in our own strength and in our own mind and feel like we can really handle these wicked people and deal with them. Patience is greater than pride. So let's kind of back up through this, and I think it might help us get back to where we started. This passage, it really inspires us to be patient in two ways. One is by the proven past, the example of the prophets, Job, and the Lord Jesus Christ. But also through the promised future. So we can look backwards in Scripture, we can look forward in Scripture, we can look backward in our own lives and forward in our own lives. We have hope. We have enough hope to be patient in the most terrible circumstances you could ever imagine. As we kind of consider those testimonies of the faithful and the fruit that it has bore, we we know that the glory of the Father is on display in how we respond, patiently respond in these situations. When we're tempted to, to be impatient or to deal with things on our own, it looks like this. We start grumbling, start making deals to try to get out of the situation. We start twisting the truth, make it sound a little different than what it really is. The only thing that can really and truly help us overcome that is absolute hope in Jesus Christ. You know, I think about it this week. Roe v. Wade overturned. A couple of things that, that we see in this passage that that illustrates. One is, since the 1970s, we've been praying fervently, not slothful in zeal, patiently praying as hundreds of millions of babies were murdered. And this week, we got a little relief. Also, tragically, we see that some people would say, I'm a Christian, are now negotiating with others who are not as to what truth really is. I'm not going to teach on that or open up that can of worms. I'm just going to say we see the fruit of patience and we see the temptation to negotiate truth. see it this month is pride month another absolute truth in scripture that people who identify as Christian as Christians are starting to negotiate that truth let your yes be yes and your no be no that you may not fall under condemnation
when we recognize that we're tempted to lose patience or take control of what we don't really have control of, we need to remember who's standing at the door. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, right? Good old King James verse we all remember from long ago. Vengeance is mine. It's his. He's the judge. He's standing at the door and he's coming back. He's faithful and just. He's trustworthy. He's merciful. He's compassionate. He's long-suffering. He has come. He's died. He's raised from the grave. He's coming again. And all of our hope is in him. Be patient. Be patient, church. And it will bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. You cannot do it apart from the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. But with the indwelling power of Holy Spirit, it is possible. It's not easy. In our flesh, it is extremely difficult. I'll probably find out tomorrow when I get those 40 first graders and uh, start my week off. I'm excited about it. In just a few moments, we're going to have the Lord's Supper. And that Lord's Supper is an invitation to celebrate. Looking back to the first coming of our Savior who came from heaven. Perfect, sinless, spotless flesh. The only that ever existed. It's represented in the bread that we will take. It's a picture looking back. But... There's also the blood that was shed that satisfied the law of God on our behalf. Our blood can't do it. We, we can't be patient enough to get to heaven. We can't do enough good. We can't even offer our own lives for the sake of our sin and be forgiven. But he could and he did. And we look back to that as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. But also, we look forward to the second coming of the Lord. Well, guess what? We'll be raised from the grave. We'll meet Him in the air. And we'll gather around the table with Him there. We celebrate that in the Lord's Supper. Praise the Lord. He's coming back. We'll patiently wait on that. But when He does, it's just going to be a glorious day. And we look to that as we take the Lord's Supper. Now that invitation is for believers, those who have put their hope and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if that's you this morning and you're here, you don't have to be a member of this church, you don't have to be a Baptist. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're invited to the table. Now if you're here this morning and you're not a believer, I want to invite you to something greater. I want to invite you to trust in Him today. There's one thing that we shouldn't be patient about or that we shouldn't delay. 
And that's trusting in Jesus. If He's speaking to your heart this morning, and you know, and you've heard, and you've seen, and your spirit is drawing you because He died, was buried, and rose on the third day, and you know that's the only hope you have to be delivered from your sins, trust in Him today. Don't wait until tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. There's one thing that we shouldn't wait for, and that is to respond to the call to trust in Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're not a believer, you're not invited to the table, but you are invited to trust in Jesus. I'll have an elder or two stand with myself at the front this morning. We invite you to come. And if you need somebody to pray with you or you want to celebrate that with us this morning, I would love to. you have questions? We would love to, to just help walk you through that. Our hope is in Him. And it's on display. I was thinking about the VBS theme. Is Spark Studio. It's kind of an artistic theme. This morning in our study with the band, we, we went over Ephesians 2.10. We are created... Now, we are His workmanship, created for the works that He has put before us. That word workmanship is, is where we get the word poem from. It's a beautiful kind of an artistic creation. When He converts dead sinners into people who are born again, alive in Christ. It's His work, and it's beautiful. He can do it this morning in you. If he has already done it, we're going to put that picture on display through the taking of the Lord's Supper.